1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, On Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, in honor of the 4th of July, we are going to talk about the founding fathers of the Green Bay Packers for the 2019 season. Obviously, the founding fathers of the organization date back... Decades and decades, way before 2019. Uh, the Packers, you know, they go back to the, the turn of the 20th century. And so, obviously, you know, we, we want to pay homage to all of, you know, the Curly Lambos and the Don Hudson's and all of those guys that helped make the Packers be what they are today. That's just not what we're going to do today. What we're going to do is look at the foundational pieces of this team in 2019. Who are and it doesn't have to be the best players. That's not necessarily the point of the exercise. The point is, who makes this team work at its bedrock core? Who represents and and pushes forward the identity of this team? And I want to start on defense because I think the conversation is so much more interesting defensively. We have a lot more information and I think just a lot more general Uh, football experience that tells us who the foundational players and pieces are on offense by the way not just uh, exclusive to players in this case uh, but on defense the the truism for years has been you don't have a 3-4 defense if you don't have a nose tackle Kenny Clark is the foundation of this defense for so many reasons not just because he's a really good player not just because he's a nose tackle that can create pass rush, not just because he's a nose tackle who can eat up two blockers, not just because he's an interior defensive lineman who you can literally drop in coverage, who can chase plays sideline to sideline, who can sniff out screens and make it to the running back in the backfield. No, he's a foundational piece because he can do all of those things. You don't need supplementary pieces around him have a good run defense for him to be a good player he can do everything he can do everything you need from an interior defensive lineman from a nose tackle so his play His ability to eat up two blockers makes life easier for Mike Daniels, for Dean Lowry, for Montrevious Adams, for the defensive linemen around him. His ability to rush the passer makes it easier on Mike Patton, doesn't have to dial up as many blitzes, doesn't have to go to as much crazy NASCAR package personnel with a bunch of linebackers on the field and give up potential run defense as a result. His ability to chase on screens makes it easier for other players to try and get upfield and blow up those screens, knowing that Kenny Clark has the athleticism to recognize what's going on and go out and make a tackle. That sort of uh, uh, bedrock of your defense is so essential. Any defense needs someone like Kenny Clark, but a 3 4 especially because of what it allows the rest of the team to do. You can't be a 3 4 team if your linebackers can't play clean. If you're playing an offense and their guards are consistently getting to your linebackers, you're just screwed because you don't have multiple players on the interior eating up blocks. In a 4-3, you've got two guys on the inside who can slow down those guards and the center from getting to your linebackers. When you play a 3-4, you don't have that. And Green Bay so often is really in a two-defensive lineman look with, with two linebackers and two outside linebackers. And so if you don't have someone like Kenny Clark who can eat up two blockers. I mean, there was that great shot last year of a play where Kenny Clark was being double teamed and Mike Daniels was being double teamed. All right, so four players it takes to block two. Think of what an advantage that is for your defense. All right, now where does that trickle down to? I think Blake Martinez is a very good player. We've talked about this. He's a limited player, and we had this discussion a little bit yesterday. I think... The bedrock of that second level is Oren Burks, and he is a foundational piece in this way. If he is good, this defense can be great. If he is bad, this defense is going to have some serious problems defending the middle of the field because Blake Martinez can't do it. We know what Blake Martinez is. We know what he can do. We know what he can't do. As far as being a run defender and a blitzer, he is outstanding coming downhill. He said he's going to play a little freer this year. He has a better understanding of where he needs to be, where he needs to get to, and when he needs to get there. Hopefully that means he can read his keys, he can fire his guns, get down wherever he needs to get to and make plays. But the ability for Oren Burks to play in the box, to cover tight ends, to cover running backs, to carry receivers in zone coverage across the middle of the field, to be an impactful blitzer, to have that diversification of skill set next to Blake Martinez. I mean, the Packers have tried for a number of years now to find that player. First, it was Josh Jones who they drafted and said right away, this is a dime linebacker. And even last year, but the year before that, they tried to play him in the box and the experiment did not go great, except when he was playing basically outside linebacker. That was where he, he did some really nice things. And, and I, there is a bigger philosophical question to be asked about, you know, what about having a sub package where you only have your two inside linebackers and then your outside guys are, you know, like an Oren Burks and a Josh Jones. And you say, okay, maybe these guys are coming. And if they are, do you have offensive tackles that can get to them fast enough that they can't get to the quarterback? That's that's an interesting separate discussion that is maybe worth having at another time. But foundationally, this defense, the, the big wild card in this defense is Oren Burks. If he is good, the defense can be great. And if he's not, the defense is going to have a serious hole in the middle of the field. And then... You know, Jair Alexander, I think, has the potential to be the best player in this secondary. I think Kevin King can be a very good player. And I think Darnell Savage has star potential along with Jair Alexander. But foundationally, Bedrock, Adrian Amos is going to be the heart of. What they do in the back end. Because his ability to play just solid football. Just be in the right places. At the right times. Play your responsibilities. Make the tackles when you're in a position to make those tackles. No one needs you to go out and get eight interceptions. Be in the right places. Call the defense. Make sure the other players on the field. Are in the right positions. Cover up for some deficiencies here and there. And play solid enough. That Darnell Savage can roam. Play solid enough that Jair Alexander can take some gambles and you can be there in the back end if that gamble doesn't pay off. Be in the right positions. Just always be solid. Be steady, Eddie. And this defense is really unlocked in a way that we haven't seen it in a number of seasons. So, him being good, Adrian Amos being a quality player, makes everyone in front of him, all other, the other 10 guys on the defense can make them so much better. It's why any discussion about whether or not haha Clinton Dix is better than Adrian Amos is absurd. Clinton Dix put up stats because, number one, he had a lot of balls float that he just got under and caught, and number two, he took some gambles. But he didn't make the other guys on the field better, not by being in the right responsibilities, not by making tackles when they needed him to, not by being a reliable last line of defense player. No. Adrian Amos is all of those things. He is not going to take the gambles to get the splash plays. He is going to unlock the ability for Darnell Savage to do that, for Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson and Kevin King and Tremont Williams to do that, and if Oren Burks does his job, then you have two overhang defenders potentially and two middle-of-the-field defenders where offenses are no longer afraid to go because of the rules. You can't headhunt. You can't blow these guys up. It is so much harder to defend the middle of the field than it was 10, 15 years ago. If those two guys are good, this passing defense can be so much better. Now, the one position I didn't mention is outside linebacker. And that seems strange in an offseason where the Packers just invested huge amounts of money at the position and considerable draft capital with the 12th pick. The reason I don't think any single player is a founding father in this experiment, is not a foundational piece, is because there's three of them. Any single guy is important, but the real advantage is having all three. So the depth and the talent and the versatility all of that stuff is part of the equation and each individually they have that but I don't think right now we, we can be sure that each individually any single player can be a foundational player can be a field tilter can be uh, someone who makes everyone around him better I think Rashawn Gary has the potential to do that uh, but that is I mean a long way to go on that one and I don't know if, if Preston or Zadarius Smith have that potential The other thing is, Mike Patton is so good at scheming up pressure. I think, I mean, we saw it last year, even without guys who are unique individual talents, they were able to create pressure with the looks, the blitz looks that Patton can put together. So even though Brian Gutekind thought it was important enough to go out and sign all these guys to big money deals, I I just don't think it's the case that a single individual pass rusher is going to make or break this defense. And you know what? That was the point. That was why they went out and spent money. That was why they went out and used a top 15 pick on an outside linebacker because you don't want to be reliant on just one guy. That makes you susceptible to injury. It, it makes you overly reliant on a single player who if the opponent can game plan for and can take them out, now you're playing left-handed. And that can present all kinds of new problems for your team, but the depth, the impact of these outside linebackers is going to be predicated on the ability to rotate them and the the ability to play them all together and the ability to, to line them all up in a little different alignments every time. And you never know where they're going to line up and you never know where they're going to be coming from and you never know where they're going to be and who's going to be coming and who isn't. That's the value of those guys. And so, yeah, it's the case that they spend all this money and, and pour all these resources into This position, but I don't think you can point to any one of them and say that guy is a foundational piece. And speaking of foundational pieces, no, not a blue chew ad read transition. Uh, There are a lot of NBA teams still looking for foundational pieces. Not a lot of options out there, but there is still a ton going on in the NBA offseason. Uh, summer league is underway so for the latest on nba free agency summer league and as we ramp up it's almost like nba season again we're just a couple months away from that follow locked on podcast network hosts on one twitter feed locked on nba net it's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from local experts during free agency during summer league at locked on nba net
0: hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better
1: On offense, this is a little bit easier to do. Uh, But I think the questions are what are interesting. So we know Matt LaFleur is a foundational piece here. He is a founding father of the 2019 season. And that's been true going back to January when he was hired. He was going to be a foundational piece. By definition, he's the head coach. His imprint on this season is going to ultimately, I think, swing – whether or not this team is successful versus whether it's not. And the offense, can it click? Can he adapt to adversity? Can he adapt to what defenses are going to do to defend him? Can he adapt to a quarterback who might not always be happy with play calls? Can he adapt to a new group of personnel? Can he mold an offense out of the players that they have? And can he put together game plans that are effective week in and week out. Can he make adjustments on the fly? Can he make adjustments to injuries? Now, if you go back in Tennessee week one, Delaney Walker was going to be a huge part of the Tennessee offense. They lose him in week one for the season and they have to adapt. And he wanted to play a certain kind of way in Tennessee. That is his background. That's what he wanted to do. Generally speaking, an offensive coordinator needs more than a little bit of time to get everyone on the same page. Uh, you know That's not always true depending on the talent, but we can't look at Tennessee and say, oh, there was a ton of talent on that team midway through the year when it was clear that the offensive line was not an ideal fit for the kind of blocking scheme he was, he was trying to implement and that Derrick Henry was not an ideal fit for the kind of outside zone they wanted to run. They just said, all right, our best offense is handing the ball to Derrick Henry and running some play action and trying to take some shots. That is that's what the offense was. He did make those adjustments. He has to be able to do the same thing this year. And he has to be able to avoid the kinds of pitfalls that Mike McCarthy did. Now, I think we have reasons to believe that he will. Mike McCarthy abandoned the run far too easily. Mike McCarthy abandoned play action far too easily. And Mike McCarthy relied far too heavily on Aaron Rodgers. We know this offense is going to rely more on Aaron Jones. We know... This offense is going to use play action as a foundational. I know I've been using that word a lot today, but that's the point. As a foundational part of this offense, and we know play action and shot plays, off play action, are going to be an enormous part of what this offense is and what it does. And so just by the nature of what Matt LaFleur wants to do, he is going to avoid some of the pitfalls that plagued Mike McCarthy. That's just like that is who he is. That's what he wants to do. And so he doesn't have to change anything to avoid those things. He just needs to be him. Now, Aaron Rodgers part of this, a quarterback is always a foundational piece. So can he stay healthy, number one? Number two, can he adjust to new verbiage, new calls, um, a little bit different operating system at the line of scrimmage. Is he going to get full autonomy? Should he get full autonomy? Is it even a good thing to give him that? And is it a good thing if he uses it frequently? Ideally, Matt Lafleur is calling a play that's good and that's going to work. And Aaron Rodgers trusts it, and they run it, and it works. That's what you hope. Now, how do they? How do they? You know, find that balance. How do they find that equilibrium between, okay, Matt LaFleur calls a play. There's really two plays in there you can kill to to the other one if you don't like the first look. Is that going to be enough for Aaron Rodgers? Can he play like we used to see him play? We, We saw him play hurt last year. Was that because he was hurt? Is that because his mechanics have atrophied? Is it because his arm has atrophied in some way? Is it because he was freelancing too much? Is it because he's too uh, interested in avoiding interceptions because he wants his stats to stay pristine? We don't, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We're going to find out a lot this season about Aaron Rodgers. And you know, I laid out a lot of, of things that I don't necessarily believe, but that have been leveled on him as criticisms. So clearly, Rodgers and Lafleur are foundational players for the 2019 season. Aaron Jones has to be the next guy. Not that I think he is going to be any more featured in the offense than, say, Devontae Adams. Not, I, don't, you know, I don't necessarily think he's going to be better, necessarily. You know, If you were going to rank the, the best players on offense, Devontae would be ahead of Aaron Jones. But because so much of this offense is predicated on the run game, you have outside zone, and then you're running play action off that, and everything follows from that. Stated explicitly by Matt LaFleur, Aaron Jones has to be good and he has to be on the field. And if he can do that, then he is, is going to set this offense up to ease that transition. The easiest way, remember we talked about, you know, the best way for this, for this to not have any sort of, of friction between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers is to have success early. Well, the best way to have success early is to get Aaron Jones going. Because while it is true that you don't need a good run game to have a good play-action game, what you don't want is for it to seem like the Packers need to get away from the run game because then Matt LaFleur needs to start changing things up. He needs to get away from things that he wants to do. But if they can have success running the ball, then they can play the way LaFleur wants to play. And, and frankly, what the Packers should want is more touches for Aaron Jones because he's really good. He is a really good player. He is dynamic, and he can carry parts of your offense. They should want him to be a foundational piece, and I think in this offense this season, he will be, and if he can be successful, that unlocks everything that they want to do with this offense. The last foundational piece on offense, I mentioned Devontae Adams. I I think Devontae is you know, the bedrock of the passing game, to be sure. Uh, and that goes without saying. So I think he certainly is is that guy. But I want to just talk for a second about another player who I think is going to be foundational to this offense in 2019, and that's Jimmy Graham. And you know, we talked about the, the MVS hype train. And that's going to be important. But I think Geronimo Allison could just as easily be an outside receiver. And I think Equinemius St. Brown or Jake Kummerow could play that role. I think MVS is better suited to it, but they have other guys who can do it. Jimmy Graham is the only player on this roster who can do the things at tight end that, in the passing game anyway, that they are going to ask him to do, that they're going to ask their tight end to do. Now, I think Jay Sternberger eventually can do that. I don't expect that he can do it in year one. So in order for this offense to reach its apex, we know what Devontae Adams is. We know you know, what these offensive linemen are and can be. And we have an idea of, of what Marquez Valdez-Scantling's skill set is. He can get down the field. Can Jimmy Graham really just take this offense over the top? Can he be the player they're paying him to be? Because the tight end is a huge part of this offense. So if they're going to play with two tight ends, a bunch, with Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham on the field, if he is that passing game, if he is that piece that they need him to be, that they want him to be, they don't need him to be, but they want him to be, I truly believe they want to play a specific way that features Jimmy Graham. And that was even, you know, Matt LaFleur wanted to do that before. He's always wanted to do that. It is his style. He was not the one that said, "Hey, give me Jimmy Graham." He's here, and so it. But it that worked out because that's how Matt Lafleur wants to play. He wants to to have a, a huge impact on the game with a tight end, because that's what this offense really is. is It's not that it's predicated on it, but it is designed and set up to be. All of the leak plays that they can run that that you see George Kittle kill teams on. That, that Kyle Shanahan was running in Atlanta. They're able to do tight end by committee in LA specifically because the concepts are so good. You don't need an all-star guy to, to run those things and make them successful. But if Jimmy Graham can be that Jimmy Graham player, if he can be the guy that they want him to be, then he can be a foundational part of this offense and supplement what they're getting in the run game from Aaron Jones and in the passing game from Devontae Adams. This episode is brought to you by Shell
0: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E.
1: All right, I hope everyone has... A, a joyous, a safe And a celebratory 4th of July uh, I hope you, you have some good Barbecue or grilling out Or, or whatever you're going to do French onion dip, man I love French onion dip uh, Play some bags maybe Some beer pong uh, Have a little bourbon And, and uh, celebrate Celebrate uh, The awesome US Women's National Team Maybe a little, a little tea sip And we'll be back next week to talk more Football. Uh, we have a conversation with Natral Jamerson on the docket, uh, former Wisconsin Badger and, and current Green Bay Packer safety. He's going to be on the show next week and really excited to talk to him. I think he's a he's a wild card in all of this. He's a player who could really force his way onto the field. I love the physical tools. I love his ability to play corner or safety, the physical nature that he plays with. So there's a lot that he brings the table. That will be next week. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review, a rating, uh, and uh, let us know why you're listening. If you have questions, leave them leave them there. I do look at those reviews and ratings, and so if you have some comments, drop them in there. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Like us on Facebook. We are always having conversations there about the podcast, so Uh, Check that out. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Have a happy 4th of July and stay Locked On Packers.